welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, the first podcast of 2022. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Hello, Eric. I actually refuse to believe it's 2022. It is still 2020 in my mind. We never moved. And my other equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. I would simply argue that time means nothing anymore, and uh, we should just <laughs> get away. You know, we got rid of calendars in the past. I say we ditch the calendar now. We just start counting days, and that's it. New Patreon tier, the Blood Gods calendar. We all subscribe to the brand new <laughs> calendar that we invented. Funny thing, like growing up Jewish, is you have the lunar calendar as well, so you certain things adhere to that and certain things adhere most things adhere to the english calendar but once in a while you just get a weird moon thing going on so i like the lunar calendar a lot of a lot of cultures still use it we should go back to it the blood gods calendar it's perpetually 1997 Mm -hmm. i wish well this is the first episode of 2022 not 1997 alas but we have a lot of rpgs to cover this is our Special preview episode will be focusing on all of the big games that are coming out this year. If you enjoy the show, which I hope you do, please go ahead and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter, the underscore Kappa. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at C Moosey. That's S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And of course, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have tons of exclusive content, including a Pantheon episode for Chrono Cross, which is coming out in just two days. Does Chrono Cross deserve to be in the Pantheon? I actually think there's a lot of question about this one. This is a, this is a controversial one. So you get to go and listen to that. Thanks for to Nadia for picking that one. <laughs> oh, and I, I shouldn't have like I feel bad because now I just kind of initiated something I suppose just I picked it almost out of a lark and next thing mm-hmm. I know it burned up the charts I remember job, seeing man. you pick that and being like well ours aren't making it through okay <laughs> <laughs> see if I picked Valkyrie profile I think it could have had a shot but I, I should have thought of that honestly. oh oh that would have been an interesting head-to-head my that would have been a great head to head. Sickos know who they are, and I love and respect each one of you. <laughs> well, you should also go listen to our 2022 Patreon and Acts of the Blood God updates. If you are listening on the free feed right now, this episode is releasing at the same time for you as well as our backers. We've made it so that all of our episodes will be aligned now. So no more we- news coming out a week late. The stars have realigned. The stars have realigned. You can go and listen to our announcement podcast for all of the other updates. There are quite a few. Okay, let's get started with our 2022 preview. This is how we are going to do it. Basically, we're going to go through a bunch of the major RPGs that are coming out this year. And we are going to ask one big question for each of them. Okay, and we're going to pick our most anticipated RPGs, and we are going to go to the mailbag and hear what you have to say. We are also going to cover indie RPGs, but that is going to be next week. Indie RPGs get their own episodes so that they aren't just being completely overshadowed or cast aside. They deserve their own episode. They deserve hugs. Let's start with the first major RPG to come out in 2022. This one is in January as Pokemon Legends Arceus. And this is my question. Is this a turning point? 
for Pokemon? Because a lot of people say that Pokemon Legends Arceus is kind of a test bed for new concepts in terms of open world gameplay and the way that the, the combat works. If Pokemon Legends Arceus is a major success, does this mean that Pokemon could be forever changed going forward? I think it's going to remain a side thing, a side idea. Pokemon Monster Hunter, which is, of course, a great idea on its own, but not necessarily what you want to turn the mainline games into. I mean, Pokemon, as it is, the vanilla Pokemon, sells absolutely gangbusters. And that's what people look for. Like the, uh, Just to, to go off the top of my head here, like my nephew is not looking for Pokemon Arceus. He's looking for Pokemon whatever color comes next. Like, not yeah. saying he's not going to play Pokemon Arceus, of course, but to him, like, Pokemon is those mainline games. And Game Freak, as we have determined, uh, their experimentation with their formulas can go either way. Um, I mean, all I know is that people, well, the Pokemon fandom, not people, are just really, really salty about Arceus, and I got into another fight with them. It's, it's a really good point you bring up, Nadia, that this is still... Pokemon Legends Arceus. This is not, you know, Pokemon insert color rock type. Uh, I don't, I don't know Galaxy. I'm surprised they haven't done a Galaxy yet. That's that seems obvious. Uh, you know, it's it is a side game, and that's not to say the Pokemon side games don't sell well. Like New Pokemon Snap did pretty okay in sales, and you put the Pokemon name on something, it's going to get some minimum floor of sales. I think the larger question is, does any of this transfer over in the way that we're kind of seeing Mario and Bowser's Fury kind of be a testing ground for what Mario could be moving forward? And me personally, this is the most interested I've been in a, let's say, traditional Pokemon style game in a long time because I I enjoyed Sword and Shield uh, a lot more than I thought I would actually. (laughs) I loved it. It was still a Pokemon game to me. And at some point I hit that wall of, I know what this game is. It looks nice. I loved the presentation and the atmosphere in the world and even the writing of that game, but it, it still hit a wall of this is still being presented to me in a way that feels so familiar that I could autopilot through most of it. And what interests me about Arceus is the fact that they're not just doing Pokemon. There are traditional Pokemon style battles, but some of the stuff yeah. they've shown with the the wild, enraged Pokemon that you're having to dodge attacks and kind of send out multiple members of your party to weaken them down and stuff. That stuff seems really interesting, really neat. Uh, the Monster Hunter influence, I think, as as you mentioned, is is also very clear. They're they're clearly taking in a lot of different ways that they could expand this world i also think the setting's cool it's yeah, it's a nice different setting. setting yeah so i think all things considered if they're not going to make the yakuza like a dragon of pokemon that i wish they would <laughs> um this is this is maybe the next most interesting thing that they can make for me as as a spin-off player more than a mainline player i would like to point out that with pokemon sword and shield it's obvious that they were taking some cues from pokemon go in terms mm-hmm. of the right. raid battles and that kind of thing. Absolutely. I have to imagine that Gen 9 is well under development at this point, and it's hard for, to imagine them getting away from the turn-based combat and everything that has defined the series to this point. If anything, I think Gen 9 is going to be all about getting all of the Pokemon in there right from the <laughs> get-go. Yeah. So Stuffing them all in there. There isn't all of that nonsense Dexit controversy that I contributed to in a very big way. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it Eric who wrote that that story? I, 
Yeah, you I did, did the I interview. Did the interview. Right. Yeah, I remember that day very specifically because I think we had one of the first interviews with that team right after that presentation, and Kat was literally messaging me like, "You go in there, and that is the first question you ask." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and this was my first E three in many years, and I was going to talk to. Masuda and, and all the other uh, creators over at Pokemon. And I was like, I got to walk in there and be like, so why the fuck are you doing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. I don't think they expected it to be as big of a deal as it was. No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Uh, well, maybe they did. I don't know. But I I do think that if Arceus is really successful and actually if it's good, I think it will be because open world game, Pokemon, I like, if it's good, I think it'll sell gangbusters, honestly. And I could totally see uh, the developers taking lessons from it and implementing them somehow into whatever Gen 9 ends up being or even Gen 10. So I do actually think that Pokemon Arceus could end up being, in its own way, a kind of a turning point for the series. But I guess we'll see. It'll be out January 28th, so we'll be able to find out when that happens. Next one, and this is a big one. This could be a game of the year contender. That is Elden Ring. So yes. February 25th. And this is my question for Elden Ring. Is it just more Dark Souls, but open worlds? Or can it be something more? I'm wondering what your thoughts are. If it is Dark Souls open world, I think I'm okay with that. I have always been a little bit hot and cold on Dark Souls. I very much appreciate the world and the lore, and I actually find the combat quite fun, but it's not the difficulty loop that I absolutely crave. And just hearing people's opinions of the like the hands-on with the game and just looking at the previews and stuff, I'm actually extremely interested in the idea of riding a horse and doing Dark Souls horse stuff. I think the horse element is kind of going to drag me in there, especially since the horse... Uh, doesn't it climb like cliffs or something? To yeah, yeah it can like super jump <laughs> and climb. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool horse. That's a cool um, horse. It's like those uh, the ibexes that can like climb the sides of cliffs. Yes, you know, they crave that mineral. Uh, yeah, I will say that this is probably the most excited I've been for a FromSoft game since Bloodborne. Uh, Dark Souls Three just didn't really hit for me, uh, which I know is kind of an outlier for for how some people feel. But I just I felt like it was more of the same. To me, I thought it was. I love Dark Souls Three. It was gorgeous, uh, but I can understand because that was a Dark Souls game for Dark Souls fans, yes, especially in yeah. terms of the lore mm-hmm. and yeah. bringing it all to a conclusion. I mean, compared to Dark Souls One, it is so much more, uh, so much prettier than the original Dark Souls, and that makes it gloomier and more atmospheric and everything. But yeah, I can understand why Dark Souls Three might not hit in the same way compared to Bloodborne or even Sekiro. Which yeah. is not technically yeah. a Soulsborne, but game. you get what I mean. But- Sekiro is a game I just kind of enjoyed from the outside and seems like it's cool, but also like one I I don't know if I would personally enjoy. But Elden Ring, there's something about how like high fantasy slash dark fantasy it is. Like the the fact that they're leaning so heavily into the supernatural aspects, into the bizarre aspects, into I just some of the magic they were showing getting cast and stuff like that were just huge mess. And I, you know, they've always had magic in dark souls games, but it's always kind of been at least to me an afterthought to what like the crux of the gameplay is. 
And here I was seeing these massive spells and people turning their arms into dragons and stuff like that. And I was like, that, <laughs> yes. that is cool. If this is a game that leans more into that side of things and maybe makes it a little bit more viable compared to some of the stuff that has been traditionally viable in those games, then I'm I'm more interested. And also, you know, it's always had co-op and stuff. But if if they smooth out the co-op for this game and make it so you really can't play a lot of Elden Ring with your pal or pals uh that i would also love because i think uh, a souls game with smoother better co-op would do extremely well right so i think so the thing that i'm excited about is i think elden ring can start to redefine open world games as we know them in the same way that breath of the wild did Mm -hmm. because if there's one thing that dark souls does incredibly well it's not just being hard for being difficult it is all of the secrets and interesting things and the way that you can change the world. It is mm-hmm. a consistently really ambitious action adventure series. Mm-hmm. And I think that they are going to do that with the open world. It's not going to be just another signposting Mario 3 kind of situation, like say Ghost of Tsushima. There are going to be so many fascinating things and it's going to be so organic. It's going to be a true sandbox. And I think that is a really exciting thing to be able to uh, experience. They're going to lead into the actual exploration. The open world is going to be part of the game and not just a giant hub, as it were. Beyond that, though, I'm actually a little nervous about that it be, it's going to be too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like, I'm worried I'm going to be for like 20 hours. Like, wow, this is fun. Oh, this boss pisses me off. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, I once heard that Souls games and FromSoft games are not necessarily difficult games they're just games that require persistence to get through and i've always liked that because i have found that when i like spend time with them and really like dig into them i can get through them because it's just repetition and learning and then eventually you will be able to bust through that boss that keeps kicking your ass and then once you do it you're done you don't have to fight that boss anymore you're good and i I do hope that that stuff is tuned a little bit or maybe there is some help there in the form of co-op. But also, I don't know. I think this is the one that I'm willing to like set down some time and say I will persist through this one because it seems like it's going to be a valuable one to persist through. I'm usually good at persisting with difficult stuff. (laughs) Like I persisted with Metroid Dread until Mm -hmm. I finished that. And that's not an easy game. So Mm -hmm. if I really if something really like lights inside of me with uh, Elden Ring, I will persist through whatever stupid crap it throws at me most likely i there's a uh, there's a strain of people who are like oh they should put an easy mode in dark souls and maybe that's the case but i've always kind of felt like dark souls has its own version of easy mode built in with the uh the co-op where you can just summon mm. somebody in to the game and they'll probably take care of the boss for you if you are having an extremely difficult time with it so there, there is that. And yes, they're very unforgiving, but also you can break those games so hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some stuff that's so unbalanced, and I'm sure that will be the case with Elden Ring as well. But yeah, I, uh, I think that it's going to be one of the biggest games of the year, and it's coming mm-hmm. out kind of at the perfect time of the year because, uh, you know, we're going to be able to just sit down, and I think everybody's going to be focusing on it. It's going to be so in the zeitgeist. I know that I personally will sit down play it for 10 hours, go, wow, what an incredible game, and then get distracted by something else and go and not ever pick it up again, just like I did with Sekiro. 
it's the end of February. What other video games could possibly yeah, be coming you. out at the end of Super February? Super Robot Wars 30, <laughs> Yakuza Like a Dragon, Persona 5, I don't know, something. <laughs> Another Stardew Valley update. Something will show up cool. to distract me, y'all. It happens. FIFA. I don't know. I might get distracted by the Pantheon. It happens. Mm. So, Because I, if I haven't played the game before, I feel obligated to try and get through it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We shall see. Okay, Elden Ring out February 25th. It's going to be one of the big games of the year. I cannot wait to actually jump around with that horse. It'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) And now an untitled Eric segment approaches. Command. Oh, see, we are we're going whole in with the new title in the new year. Uh, Yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, This one's going to be weird because this this episode is coming out in the new year but this morning as we are recording it yuji naka just put up a video game y'all <laughs> yuji naka showing signs of life out here at the tail end of 2021 Did, it mo- is it a mobile game because i remember he said that he was just kind of it is a mobile game it is mm-hmm. called shot 2048 uh you can download it on the app store or google play uh and it kind of looks like you're rolling dice to make 2048 like they took 2048 and then added dice like shooting dice to it yuji naka what are you doing post balan are you okay my dude like- i don't think he's okay i think that's the whole thing here i don't get me wrong i'm actually really glad to see he's active because i think balan wonderworld kind of shattered him so it's not exactly a great triumphant return but he's he's breathing we we got a, a rhythm yeah, and I love the tweet that announced it too. Uh, Yuji Naka verified on Twitter tweets, I created a hyper casual game called hashtag shot 2048. This is the first time in my 37 years as a game creator that I, Yuji Naka, have made a game all by myself. I'm glad we all understood what the funny part of this tweet was. <laughs> I would appreciate it if you could play it and spread the word. Thank you very much. And that's a link. And then an image of him pointing at it. <laughs> I, Yuji Naka, like I, Matador from, from uh, Nocturne. It's very good. And I will say, like, I have not played Balan myself. I watched a friend of mine suffer through Balan <laughs> and more power to them. And But the, the weird thing is Yuji Naka makes games that regardless of quality or at least not like anything else you really see on the yeah. market. And, you know, in a financial sense, does it make sense for him to keep getting huge finance games post Balan? I, you know, I think there's a reason. But in an artistic value to the community and the culture, Yuji Naka needs to keep making games. I agree. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I want I want Yuji Naka to keep making weird stuff and shooting dice into 2048 is is some weird, weird stuff. So more power to you, Yuji Naka. I wish the best for you. Uh, Go stick and live with your best it. life. I'm sure you'll live your best life. Yeah. I just want to know why. Like, I actually read the book, the story that comes with Ballad Wonderland. Is it Wonderworld or Wonderland? Jesus Christ. Anyway. Body is a Wonderworld. I don't know. <laughs> <Now> so <laughs> Wonderland so is the equivalent worse. of Super Mario Land and Wonderworld is Super Mario World? 
Anyway, here's Balan Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> but it has a story, and it's a cute story, and it makes the game make some sort of sense. Like, when you play the game without that context, you're looking at a bunch of, like, someone's fever dream. Like, it, it's very, very strange, but not There's in a compelling no way. dialogue in that game. It's all no, very it's interpretive. All in the book. But it, that's the thing. It's interpretive, but it doesn't make sense. You can, of course, have a game without words, but everything's pantomimed. Mm-hmm. But... This isn't that. This is a fever dream. Go go on Amazon to, to decipher it if you want. Building that tower at Tim's and doing balance bouts. And that game is so weird. But it's a strange, strange thing. And but I remember it. But I remember no it. No one will forget it. Mm-hmm. No one can forget it. So Yuji Naka, that's that's my thing to start 2022. Uh Yuji Naka's still out here, still kicking around. More power to you. Yeah, good for him, honestly. Like it, it was a rough one. With uh, Balan Wonder whatever. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> Balan I didn't play Wonderball. that one. <laughs> um, and I remember seeing the tweet where he said, yeah, I'm going to just uh, give a shot to kind of teaching myself how to program with uh, mobile games and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And he was a great programmer back in the day. And uh, see what I, see what I can come up with. Yeah. Yeah. And, he's responsible for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, you know... Um, this is kind of how creators come get on the comeback trail, right? It's like yeah. they do little projects and the next thing you know, you're selling plots in central London for almost a million dollars in <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> yeah. Screw gonna, you, Peter Molyneux. We're going to go out to the woods in a little bit and Yuji Naga is going to be out there like hacking logs in half and be like... The giant beard. I knew you'd come. <laughs> He's going to take one and split it with his hands. Like Time America. for a Nights into Dreams 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what everybody wants, right? Clearly. Expand Not the... Not me. I don't care. I don't want to Expand the, the greater dreams. Knights universe. Well, from Eric's untitled segment, we head over to Nadia's Nostalgia Nook. And Nadia, what are we being nostalgic about this week? Well, I'm finally doing some cleaning up for a change in this this rat nest I call a house. And I have a lot of old stuff, of course, from like the ancient days of gaming. And it's made worse by the fact, or better, by the fact that my husband, when we got married, he had a lot of the same stuff and we kind of combined it. Uh, that's when he discovered that when I was a kid, I used to write swear words in my instruction booklets. And he got really angry about that because he's very much a preservationist. <laughs> and it's like, what can I tell you? I was a seven-year-old with a red crayon. Anyway, it turns out we have a whole box of the old fx9 um books do you remember those cat like that used to adapt the nes stories oh they were yeah. like yeah there was the ninja gaiden one i read the There's ninja a... gaiden one are those uh, the I... world of power books is it well i think it is world of power yes and i remember the ninja gaiden one specifically because sharky solid sharky back in the day reviewed it on his site and he pointed out how the covers for all those books are basically the covers for their games, but they remove any like violent-looking weapons, like knives and, and such. So you literally have the ninja from Ninja Gaiden doing a, a knocking motion. So he's like, <laughs> knock, knock, ninja pizza delivery, and I never forgot that. <laughs> but these are... I would recommend these books if you could find them because they're such an interesting snapshot of what supplementary media was like at the day, which was a complete Wild West. These were actually given to me by a very good friend of mine, so they're not exactly something, not all of them are ours, but he kind of padded out our collection for us. 
the, the quality between the books is really interesting. Like Wizards and Warriors is one of those kid goes into the world. Oh, no, I'm helping Kuros and it's really terrible. Whereas the Metal Gear Solid one is interesting because, sorry, Metal Gear is interesting because it's actually written quite well, but they can't use their weapons in these games, same as they can't have them on the cover. So they just they just kind of have to MacGyver their way around everything, <laughs> especially Snake, who has a whole PSA in there about how you shouldn't smoke because you can find cigarettes in the original <laughs> game, right? Oh, my God. So That's absolutely. Great. Famous non-smoker Snake. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking book approved by Nancy Reagan. <laughs> oh, God, what an age we lived in. Don't sure smoke, did. just vape. Don't smoke, kids. Here's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a smoker. My mother was a two-pack a day, and I'm like, I'm never going through that. So I just, uh, I, I stayed the hell away from cigarettes, as you should too, kids. And Solid Snake says, hey, don't smoke. Hey, the propaganda worked on me. I was so straight edge. You I me? have to admit that smoking tobacco is it, just stupid. It's just, just oh, it is. Your lungs. it is. It's, it's gross. I, that's why I never started. When you're it a kid, you, everything. Yeah, it's gross. I think about how I was growing up with a two pack a day mother, and I must have stank like mad. Ugh. I oh yeah. Want to think about it, but yeah, don't smoke. Solid Snake says, don't smoke. Get those books if you can. They're really interesting. And cat, I can't remember if the Worlds of Power one were the Mario ones, but yeah, there was a kind of a Mario line that was the same thing and same deal, where some were the writing quality kind of different. Between hey them. kids, do not smoke. Hey kids, if you there's a PSA online where Captain Lou Albano as Mario is saying, "Don't do drugs, kids. And drug if you do drugs, you're going to hell, and then you'll die." <laughs> Look it up. Like you'll find it on YouTube. It's there. Buy me bone stormer. Go to hell. That's exactly <laughs> what. <laughs> In this house, we use a word called please. <laughs> yeah, I read those uh, supplementary media back in the day, and as you call them, I prefer the. Let's see, Nin Nintendo Power had a special guide book for Ninja Gaiden 2 uh -huh. that included, that took all of the cutscenes and turned them into a comic series. Oh. I think a, I think a straight up manga. And it was right. really good. That's really cool. For the age, you didn't get stuff like that very often. That would have been special. There you, I mean, I have some old video game magazines kicking around my house and opening them up. There's actually a surprising number of comics that are used yeah. to, especially to advertise games because they look like, they're like the original advertorials, right? Where yes, they look yes. like actual content, but they're mm -hmm. just promoting whatever the game is. Yeah, yeah. There was, um, I think Plock was advertised like that, which I never played, but I found out just recently it has a really kicking soundtrack, but it's just a really average game. I just remember it because it had a comic as an advertisement. Mm -hmm. right, and it sticks in your memory, right? It does. But and then, of course, there were those wonderful manga adaptations in Nintendo Power for Star Fox and Metroid and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. Star Fox was really good. The Link to the Past one, um, that was, uh, I can't remember the name of the manga artist. It was the Cyber 09 artist who did that one. And it was just, uh, it was okay. It started out pretty strong, but it, it concluded a little sloppily. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of that. But it was gorgeous art. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. One of my favorite renditions of Link, for sure. I wonder, are there like actual video game novelizations out there that are legitimately good? Like, is the Gears of War novelization legitimately good? And I'm just missing it. I have not read many of them. Have you, Eric? I really, I haven't read too many of them, but the one I've always wanted to read because I only recently found out about it was the Death Stranding novelization. Oh, oh my God. I want to know. I want to know what that is like, because trying to take in the same way that the Metal Gear adaptation that you're talking about is fascinating. 
how do you take what Kojima has done and turn that into any sort of like functional <laughs> story? <laughs> yeah. Oh, indeed. You'd probably uh, look at it and you'd think you were looking at ancient Hebrew or something because it's just yeah. so messed up looking. <laughs> because I don't I don't think like mangifying a game is all that out of the norm and turning games into anime is not all that out of the norm. We've seen that a bunch of times, especially with RPGs, but there's something about the novelization that is the like mysterious part because you you don't get to work with any of the visual part of that story. You only get to work with the words and then yes. you have to use the words to describe what's going on. And that's where it can get fun. <laughs> so I once read a novelization of of Minecraft, believe it or not. This was for really? a review. I was reviewing a books back in the day. And obviously it wasn't about like, hey, I'm Minecraft Steve, how y'all doing? It was about a kid who was playing the game like an asshole. And then he in turn gets kind of trapped in the game and starts being griefed on. And he learns a lesson about, hey, I shouldn't play this game like an asshole. And I said to myself, you know what? That's not a bad lesson to give kids today. That's a weird no, Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And it actually wasn't written too badly. There was a there's actually a memorable moment where the griefer had like a zombie mob after him and he had to dig underneath and hide all night and as if you have played minecraft that first night yeah you that is what you are doing you're digging a hole and weathering out that first night while zombies try to kill you so it was mm-hmm. actually written quite well this is my i confess that i've literally never played one second of minecraft what it's so I, good i yeah it's actually probably it's a generational game right? oh yes yeah, fantastic it's on the level of mario or doom or whatever yeah. it's, it's defined and yet I find the art style so off-putting mm. that I, I, I just that. I don't want to play with these stupid block people. Sorry. That's why you should play Dragon Quest Builders too. Exactly. Why, yeah, no, it's true. Um, but I enjoy Animal Crossing and New Horizons and such because I really like the art style. Like yeah. I sh- I like building games and yeah. I like the idea of survival games, but I just can't get into this Lego ass world. It's, it's how it is. Sorry, uh, Steve, your Lego ass is out. It, it definitely yeah. is function over form. But oh, yeah. when when you figure out like what that game can do and and the sort of things that game can generate, like it's there's just something about booting up Minecraft and and journeying around and and doing a little survival server. I did it a few times during the pandemic when I just needed something familiar and it's it's good for that. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, it plays really nicely on the Switch. Mm-hmm. The thing that's remarkable about Minecraft is that, much like Doom, you cannot play all of it. You cannot mm-hmm. ever play all of Minecraft. It is impossible. Mm-hmm. And you have an entire generation now who grew up with memories of their older sibling installing all the mods into Minecraft mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I mean, there are a lot of parents who play Minecraft with their kids. And, Which is or, very nice. Or... An entire generation, Minecraft was the defining game. I saw a Reddit post where a teacher was wearing a, a holiday sweater with Mario on it, and she, the original Mario from Mario One, uh-huh. and she was being complimented on her Minecraft sweater. <laughs> <laughs> now that actually surprises me a little bit because Nintendo always has that original Mario sprite out and about, and of course, kids still know mm. who Mario is. So that's that's actually really interesting. They, they do know who Mario is, but Minecraft is more iconic, I think. So. I think that style is definitely more iconic, yeah, for Mario. <laughs> we associate it with pixels. They associate it with voxels. I love the, 
I grew up with, I'm glad I grew up with Minecraft, not Fortnite. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> Come here till I hit you, you young, young pisser. <laughs> okay, that was Nadia's Nostalgia Nurgle. Always a really fun segment, getting getting so. a chance to be an old and uh, <laughs> nostalgic for things from the 80s or Minecraft, I guess. There so. are countries for old ladies after all. Let's continue on with the 2022 RPG preview. Our next game comes out on March 4th. That is Triangle Strategy. And this is my question for this one. Can it do for tactics what Octopath Traveler did for turn-based RPGs? Because... Octopath Traveler, it was really dang successful on the Nintendo Switch. People were really mm -hmm. into it for a hot minute. Will Triangle Strategy say, for example, I don't know, uh, entice Final uh, Square into doing Final Fantasy Tactics again? I see no downside to this game, frankly, and that's one of the reasons why. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's hard to try and picture this matching up to what Octopath was because not only was Octopath a frankly, you know, like pinpoint game of that old style of RPG coming back. It was also the visual style that now every time somebody sees one of these remade pixel yeah. RPGs like the Dragon Quest ones, they're like, oh, it's the Octopath style. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it really reignited a love for for pixel art and a love for the craft that that it did alongside other games like Owlboy and, and Undertale and things like that. Uh, it's I think it has brought back a love for that era. And I've been personally for me, this is one of my we'll we'll talk about it more later, but this is one of the big games for me in 2022 because every time I look at footage of it, I'm like, this is a PlayStation one ass game. Like they just took <laughs> a game yes. from the PlayStation one and spruced it up a bit and put it here. And I, th I think for as far as tactics games go, they're actually poised to have a pretty decent year in 2022 between Triangle Strategy, Advance Wars, Monarch. I think there's a mm -hmm. few good tactics games on the way. And uh, this one definitely stands out as people are hungry. They're always hungry for that new FF tactics. You go into the comment section of any forum thread and people are talking about, oh, I want something that's like tactics. You know, this fell seal game, is it like tactics? So, you know, is this is this a good tactics game? And I think the time is right for somebody to strike and and make this sort of game. And granted, I think this is a little bit more tactics ogre than Final Fantasy Tactics, but uh, that's kind of splitting hairs at that point. Uh, I don't think it's splitting hairs. I think Final Fantasy Tactics is all about... It's not about the tactics. It's about actually building the characters. Right. Having the insanely broken character builds and whatnot. <laughs> and, and this one seems more like you're kind of building an army of different characters that are all going to kind of suit different needs depending on the situation, but maybe but function more kiss? as a group. That's a big one. <laughs> I, can they triangle kiss? It's the great guy. Can they try <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one, Nadia. Well Thank done. <laughs> I'm, I, every time I see this game now, that's all I'm going to think of. <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, who knows if they can triangle kiss or not, but it's, uh, it, it looks just like the tactics game. I think a lot of people have wanted for a while and especially in the wake of the popularity of fire emblem with advance wars coming back, it seems like a rising tide that triangle strategy is <laughs> set and ready to ride the crest of. So, uh, who knows, but I, I personally have high hopes for this game. 
I too have high hopes for Triangle Strategy. When I saw it in action, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to play the heck out of this game. Mm-hmm. It looks absolutely terrific. You know what also I'm kind of looking forward to? It's the new Metal Slug turn-based tactics, tactics game. game. Yeah. yeah, that looks yeah. like fun. It looks really good. And I'm kind of, it kind of reminds me of the game from the creators of FTL that its name escapes me, the one with mechs. Oh, Into the Breach. Into the Breach. That yeah. that one reminds me of Into the Breach. This mm-hmm. one is more of a tactics ogre style kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. hope that it is every bit as deep as Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy Tactics. And I, I was being serious, by the way. I think that the secret to success of making it a success is accessibility and the ability to have them kiss. Slug kiss. Well, Triangle Strategy will be out March 4th. This next one is a two-part question. Baldur's Gate 3, it is it's 2022 sometime, maybe. And my question is, will it actually come out in 2022 and if it does can it capture the D zeitgeist i think it will arrive um i'm not part of the early access i think that's more eric's department so i don't know he can probably give a better evaluation than i can but i do know that as someone who is kind of behind on those D isometric games i'm actually looking forward to baldur's gate 3 and i don't know if i'm going to regret jumping right in but something tells me it'll be fine yeah yeah you're going to be good um my experience with this game so far is a I think 2022 is possible. <laughs> Granted, I think it would be late 2022, like yeah. a November or something like that, because uh, the last time they they talked about this uh, when I spoke to them, I guess it would be last year now. Um, they they were saying that they're very much still working on on the end of the game and the end parts of the game. Uh, I imagine that's probably changed, but not by too much because remote development has been a whole thing. But uh, it's I think it's a game that's come pretty far, even within early access. And it it hit a point where I wrote about this in my most recent preview of it was that it hit a point where I'm cool with setting the game down and saying, I'm going to play right. this when it's finished, because I've seen the progress that's been made from launch point to now and it's so significant that i'd rather just now play the finished version that being said uh it's i think this is not just poised to capture a DD fervor but also just a bioware fervor because Mm, right obviously bioware has been working on their next projects dragon age as of this recording, still doesn't have a release date. Mass Effect, <laughs> don't even yeah. ask about a release date for <laughs> Mass Effect. Uh, I think there's been, especially with Legendary Edition coming out uh, in 2021, I think there is a hunger for those types of games again. And Baldur's Gate 3 learned a lot of good lessons from Bioware, you know, from early Bioware to modern Bioware of how to have interesting character dialogues and cutscenes, to having that sort of cinematic presentation and choice presentation and also just the romance and things like that. It Every time I play it, I'm like, they, they learned some lessons from Bioware here. Uh, and all that being said, it is still a D&D. It's still going to be die rolling. It's still going to be punishing. But it's also the right time for that sort of game to come around. We have a lot more like general public acceptance of tabletop stuff, like critical role and things like that are very popular nowadays. D and D is very popular nowadays. All of it again, just like I was saying about triangle strategy, it's poised for success. And I think the hardest part might be that three that's tagged on to the end there. 
Uh, right. I do sometimes wonder about how many people are going to look at that and be like, oh, well, I haven't played the first two. You don't need to play the first two. This is anthology. This is not like there may be callbacks and references, but it seems like it's going to stand on its own. So. So this is what I'm going to say about Baldur's Gate 3. I'm going to be a little more of a skeptic. OK, it, actually. OK. Uh, first of all, I wish it didn't have the whole ear slug thing. Ugh. Or no, the eye oh, slug thing. No, that's worse. I can, mm. I can handle the ears. Mm. I can handle the ears. The eyes. Ugh. I'll close my eyes. during Parasite stuff. Like, I know it's going like with Star Jammer and like some weird stuff. And yeah, it's pretty cool. But <laughs> I'm just like, oh, please don't do that. No. <laughs> that opening cutscene is just grosses, squicks me the heck out. Mm-hmm. But that's not why I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical because I think it could capture the D&D zeitgeist if it were, I don't know, more of a Witcher game, but it's co-op, right? Where mm. you are playing a D&D kind of universe game and it was more of an action game. That, then I think it would capture the zeitgeist. As much as I love turn-based games, I'm just not entirely convinced that they can go truly mainstream anymore. That's fair. Um, That's fair. I think that it needs to have a simultaneous console launch, and I don't know if right. it's going to. Is that is it going to, Eric? Uh, so far, indication and and pass with Larian seems to indicate that they will target PC first, and then mm-hmm. and then consoles later. So I think the same way that Divinity did, uh, we're probably going to see a similar sort of rollout for Baldur's Gate, which uh it's probably good for console players because that console version of divinity was really stinking good from what i played of it so uh that's a plus but yeah i I imagine it's just going to be pc at first in fairness it is the best looking isometric game in a long time oh yeah oh yeah and divinity original sin 2 was quite popular quite Mm -hmm. successful it had its own niche and it frankly like its presentation was much worse in Baldur's Gate 3 and it didn't have the license. Mm-hmm. So I I do think that if it's good and I see no reason why it wouldn't that it will be extremely successful. Will it be a breakout mainstream hit? I have questions about that, honestly. But I think that Larian going to be Larian and I appreciate that and I'm glad that they're not uh, just to be clear, I'm glad that they're not going for the action-based turn mm. uh, co-op open world thing. I'm glad that they're doing what they are good at. I'm sure you'd um, love that. It's yeah. lovely to have a classic isometric game with this level of production value in it and everything. But I do think that it's going to be more of a niche thing um, in its own way. So it's not going to be the giant breakout hit. But uh, as for coming out in 2022, I I wouldn't be shocked if it got delayed till early 2023 or thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is the most soft date on here. I mean, it's one that's not even confirmed. It's just one that we think could happen in 2022. But Larian has said over and over again, you know, we have targets, but they move and uh, they seem much more dead set on getting the game out when it feels ready versus getting it out when the date seems right. So they've, they've earned that luxury. I mean, you look at the games that they've made over the last few years and, and Larian has certainly shown that they know how to put a game out. So they're their most ambitious game uh, to date. And mm-hmm. they've continued to expand. They have multiple studios. They have this like constellation mm-hmm. of studios. Yeah. They've gotten really good at remote work, actually, because of it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think probably benefited them uh, during the pandemic. But mm-hmm. uh, I-, I guess we'll see. I mean, if it comes out of early access, it'll be in the fall, I think. But, okay. 
This is the big one. Starfield, November 11th. Xbox Series X and PC, not on PS5. That's the big Xbox exclusive. Huge, huge Xbox exclusive. Mm -hmm. The question is, will it just be Skyrim in space, or do you think Bethesda will seize the moment and do something deep and unique? This is what I will say. I think they will. I think that they aren't going to just do Skyrim in space. I actually think that Todd Howard is an RPG designer's designer. He really enjoys RPGs. He's an ambitious dude. And I think that he will take the criticism that Skyrim was too shallow to heart and make Starfield somewhat uh, deeper, or at least try, and then create a lot of bugs in the process. Even if it's, it is just Skyrim in space, that's good enough for me, to be honest. Skyrim is Skyrim, and I still love it. And I just want the next uh, issue of like the uh, lustful Argonian maid to just drop in space. That'd be great if you could find that in, in someone's nightstand or something. Yeah. I. The difficult thing is that, you know, what does a fresh new IP from Bethesda look like? Because we're so used to Bethesda in terms of what they've created for a long time at this point between Elder Scrolls and Fallout. So what does new Bethesda look like there's not really any sort of recent context we can give to it there so I think in terms of it being Skyrim in space I mean is it going to probably function similar to a Bethesda RPG and have similar you know trappings to it have similar structure to it in some ways yeah but I think I there definitely is a chance for them to go for this and you know Todd Howard's been uh on on interviews saying like this is the time we had to make this now before we got caught back up in what we've always been doing so i do think there is an element of we want to make a game that we can stretch on that we can make something new and different that you know we're only going to get one shot before we got to go back to playing the classics you know it's like it's like when the band gets up there i saw the strokes live once did you really this is right after they had released one of their newest albums and they got up there and they played some of their classics, right? They played, you know, uh, uh, some of the songs off of Room on Fire and stuff like that. And then they played a couple of their new songs and they played Reptilia because the the frat bro in front of me at this concert literally would not stop yelling, play Reptilia the whole time because <laughs> that's the song everyone knows by the strokes. They lo- And look, don't get me wrong. Reptilia is a banger, but it's. It it is like people show up to hear that song, but maybe the band is really into Undercover Darkness and they want to play that song. And I I dig it when the band gets to play that song because I think that's infectious when it comes through. They're excited to play that song. This is something new that they want to share with the audience. The energy, the back and forth is something new and fresh. And it's not the same old Reptilia they've played 15,000 times. So is Starfield the new undercover of darkness here is this the new song from the new album that they're really excited to put out i think so you know and then eventually they'll go back and they'll play the hits they'll play the classics and make the frat bro happy but where does uh where does heart in a cage rank because that's the only song i know by the strokes oh i mean that's it's a solid one it's it's not one you hear as often either i feel like compared to other ones like juice box and stuff like that it's um is this it you know it's Heart in a Cage is a little bit lower on the dial oh, there. So. In its cage. I love that song. But yeah. We I now compare all Bethesda games to Stroke songs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. New, new podcast. Let's go. Uh, yeah. So no, Skyrim I think, is Reptilia? What's Fallout? Oh, Skyrim is like, I don't know. What's the most overplayed 
someday by the stroke. Yeah, the someday. Like that's that's what that is. Um Seven Nation Army, which is white stripes, but yeah, I associate which, them with the strokes. That's fair. I think that's fair. It's a seven nation army of RPGs. Yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's actually maybe Bethesda is actually the white stripes. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, maybe this is dead leaves on on the ground or whatever. Uh, oh, that's fallen leaves. That's by Billy Talent. We're all over the place now on the musical. <laughs> kinda, wait, did they cover a song? I, I, was there no, a cover of fallen dead, leaves? Dead like, leaves in the dirty ground, but oh, there's no one around. That one. Oh, a different song. Um, then. Okay, so who's the Billy Talent of RPGs? I'll come up with this some other time. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think I think Starfield, if nothing else, is going to be really interesting because this this is Bethesda doing something new. And I don't think a lot of people are acknowledging that as much as they should, because they are so used to Todd Howard brings out Skyrim for you to play again. But it's that is exciting. Like Bethesda makes RPGs and makes theoretically longstanding RPGs, ones that you play, not just once and be done with it but it's ones you keep going back to ones that people get really into modding and so i i would like to see if this game has the tale that other bethesda games do i know somebody who worked with uh, todd howard back in the fallout three days and they always seemed really impressed by todd howard actually they're like yeah he's he's legit he he uh has a lot of frankly amazing ideas and knows how to implement them and you know, I, I think that the bugginess a lot of, of a lot of the games that they put out are a function of that crazy ambition. Daggerfall was one of the most ambitious PC games ever made at the time. And while we can complain about all of the the, the shallowness of Skyrim, there's no denying that it was a, a big, impressive game that has had managed to stand the test of time and other cliches as well. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that um, Starfield's going to be good. And they've kind of been saying all the right things about their, how they were like, yeah, I think we went a little too shallow with Skyrim. Maybe we need to correct course a little bit and talking about how they want to make their own sci-fi universe that's distinct and not just a kind of a knockoff of existing sci-fi universes. Oh, they spent a lot of time working on the ships and things like that. And I don't know, like I have a lot of optimism about Starfield. Will it be buggy? Oh, heck yeah. It'll yeah. Be buggy. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I cannot wait to play it. I really can't. Okay. It'll be out November 11th. And finally, this is the big one. Another big one. This one's going to be on Nintendo Switch. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, we assume. It's going to be something. Breath of the Wild something or other. Yeah. Link's, Link's, Link's return. I don't know. Link's thing. <laughs> Link's got a thing to do. It'll be out 2022. Uh, I I think Nintendo's putting it out this year. Like, I think they are. I I think it's definitely coming out this year. It's coming Uh, out this year. This is it. And the question is, can it possibly live up to the legacy of Breath of the Wild? The legacy is going to be a very hard one to top, but I could see them improving, like, several times over on Breath of the Wild's formula which is perfectly fine with me because Breath of the Wild has is just such a brilliant game by itself. But there are so many things it could have had to make it even better, like uh, more enemy variety, which it looks like we have some of that. Um, and even the exploration looks a little more interesting with how you can go through walls, apparently. But it's definitely more vertical oriented by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they they literally gave Link the the superpower that Lamillion has in My Hero Academia, which is an obscure shout out for the other people on this podcast. But folks in, in the Discord know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's it's a really cool looking game, and theoretically, with some of the patents that were going around, that people were saying you know could point to what they're thinking about doing with this game, and even just the idea of revisiting this world. Uh, which I think is one of the coolest high rules that they've had in a long time yeah. and could be, you know, is still, I think, rife for exploration. And you go watch that teaser trailer from 20, 2019, right? At the end of the Nintendo Direct or that was Nintendo when that E3 kind of just Direct. dropped and surprised the hell of it all. Yeah, of us. that yeah. no one knew was coming. And they, I mean, I've watched that thing multiple times and it's, it is that classic nintendo sequel to a mainline game you know the majora's mask type of game where they're like okay what if this got dark what if this got weird what if this got like we we took these characters and we put them in situations that are not just the classical hero's journey and that's really exciting i like it when nintendo does that so i think for all those reasons it could stand to be a majora's mask type situation where it might be divisive but it also for the people it hits for could really, really hit. And I think some of the the big questions that would come up is, you know, how much of it is going to be a retread? How much of it is going to be going back over the same high roll we've already seen versus That's new what I was wondering. And uh, I think that sorry to interrupt there, but no, I was just you. thinking about how the trailer that we've seen, the the more recent one, that shows a lot of new land. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, it, it looks like it's vertically oriented. If nothing else, we have Skyloft. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. seems to be a thing or uh, whatever, whatever equivalent they have there. Because I initially thought that, yes, we're going to have Majora's Mass situation where they take these, you know, these assets they spent so much time on and just put it together in like a really different situation. And that's why Majora's Mask works so well, because you had these NPCs who had like three lines suddenly become major characters in Majora's Mask. And that was really cool. But I don't think that's what they're doing here. And that could be why it's taking so long as well, because they are just... I guess they know what's on the line here and what's at stake and what kind of legacy they have to live up to. Of course, in Nintendo, they're going to strive for the best they can be. So we're in for something that's pretty special, but I don't think it's going to be anything quite like Majora's Mask, except if it gets dark and weird, which I'm okay with. Here's the big brain pitch for this game. All right, You ready for big brain pitch? Yeah, time for big brain. We already saw Link and Zelda going into the basement, right? We saw the underground not just above ground not just the sky but underground could be taking place as well what if link is diving link is diving from the sky he's picking up velocity he's going and then he does this slip through the ground through hyrule into an upside down hyrule and now we're in the upside down castle of hyrule (laughs) i want that game so bad upside down hyrule castle (laughs) low rule lives i mean i loved the dark world in in uh what was it link between worlds i thought they did a fantastic job with that what they did there and i'd love to see that recreated that mood recreated in majora's mask too sorry in in, uh in breath of the wild too I think it'll be good. I hope that they have more dungeons. <laughs> I, I would like to see more dungeons. I think they will. I think they know that's a quite a major um, problem that they had last time. Maybe. I don't know. I think Nintendo don't care. Mm-hmm. Do whatever the mm-hmm. heck they want. They'll take the dungeons out entirely. Mm-hmm. They have Monolith Soft with them, which is, um, mm-hmm. I still love Xeno, uh, Xenoblade 2 to death, despite its jank, which Nintendo will smooth out because they're not going to be like 
you know, we're going to have all this uh, jank all over the game. They're going to smooth that out. So the jank, the jank, the jank, the jank, mm-hmm. jank mo. <laughs> well, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 will be out later this year. And I don't, uh, as, as per my original question, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is one of the most influential games of the past five years. Everybody wants to be Breath of the Wild. Uh, Sonic, even friggin' Sonic oh, is trying right, to be Breath of the right. Wild yeah, yeah. at this point. <laughs> That's going to be wild, so to speak. Although Sonic Adventure did come first, and maybe it's more like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I guess. But I think that it's a, t- it's a tough legacy to live up to. But certainly when it comes out on Switch, it's going to be a huge deal. Like yeah. when, uh, jockeying with Starfield the same month, probably. Oh my God, it's going to be insane. <laughs> all right. that Those are all of the major RPGs of 2022. Now it's time for predictions. And here's my prediction, my annoyingly specific prediction of 2022. We will get at least a teaser for Final Fantasy VII Remake Episode Two this year. And it'll come out before Final Fantasy XVI. Oh, that you think part two is going to come out before 16? I do. Well, I wow. do not think that. I, don't I think, think that 16 at all. will not be out till next year. And Oof. I wouldn't be shocked if FF7 Remake Part 2, which has uh, an established engine and they have an idea of where they want to take this thing, comes out as early as early next year. I've heard the tittle tattle that Final Fantasy 16 is actually quite far along. So I'm still going to say 2022. <laughs> Greetings, friends of the Blood God. It is I, Naughty Oxford, and I'm here to deliver a message. We recorded this episode before effing off for Christmas, which was just before Final Fantasy XVI producer Naoki Yoshida announced that development for the game has been slowed by COVID. So we can expect more information about Final Fantasy XVI in spring of this year, but as for my big hubris about how the game is definitely coming out this year, uh, well, let's just say I'm, I'm not a betting woman, so I'm dropping that right here and right now. No guarantees for this year, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but we will hear more about the game later in the year, so I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you're looking forward to it too. And now, back to more RPG worship. I, I less believe in 16 and more believe that part two is... <laughs> nowhere near being finished <laughs> just given just given the the development of part one and like integrate while part it was, one was building it from scratch part two is working on the established tech and everything when has that ever helped square before <laughs> they made integrate and granted it's not the same as yeah SF, yeah it's re, reusing assets and everything but it was a really well done piece of uh, content I think part two is going to be much larger in scale given the sure. content that they're working yeah, with. Yeah, more of an open world, world kind of situation. Yeah, so yeah. I that's that's largely why I'm looking at this and being like, I do think, and it's in my predictions as well, that we will see our first glimpse of Remake Part 2. I think we'll get some sort of teaser yeah. or something. I think they've got to do that if only to just say, like, yes, we are still working on it. We have a billion other things in the pipeline, but Remake is still being made. Uh but I I think 16 does come out before part two. I, I can't follow you down this path, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go where I can't follow you, It's not you, coming Kat. out this year. I'm telling you. It's oh, not I mean, out this if year. we want to talk about 16 coming out this year, that's a whole different discussion. I'm just talking yeah. about one game coming out after the other. 
Yeah, I don't know about 16. It's following the course of numbered Final Fantasies in that you're just going, where is it? Oh. Trouble yeah. development. I don't know what you're talking about, Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> you would think they had learned their lessons with 15, but nope. Nadia, what's your prediction? Quintet Revival, baby. I oh, mean, my got- God. <laughs> <laughs> we got Act Razor Renaissance. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go Terra Enigma Renaissance, huh? There has been, like, online movements to get Terra Enigma kind of back in the zeitgeist, and it's gone quite well. So mm. uh might hear something. And, if again, I mean, if they're going to bring back Act Razor, I don't see why they can't give us another Illusion of Gaia or another uh, Terra Enigma or, God, anything by, like, Quintet-ish. Too bad the team's just kind of scattered to the wind though the original team go back and listen to our terra enigma pantheon of the blood god episode if you want more terra enigma discourse hell yes that was a great episode eric i stole your prediction do you have another i, I do have one other and this <laughs> one's a depressing one. Oh no i am not optimistic about dragon age coming out in 2022 uh, I oh have a, hell I have no it's not coming out this no, year good no. gut feeling that that thing is a 2023 <laughs> they lost another director. At the minimum yeah oh, that's right and so that yeah that's that's my depressing one you know everyone's hoping for it it's been a while it's been a hot minute since andromeda and granted anthem came out in between but everyone Mass wants Effect to forget legendary about anthem. edition yeah but which is a small team granted but yeah still. you know you kind of look at that i like to look back on i i was talking with rod ferguson at one point about working on the gears project and he talked about that team working on the gears remaster in order to get ready to make new gears games And so I think in situations like that, where you've got a team that you want to get up to speed on kind of the modern practices of a certain developer, it works really well to make those remakes and remasters to kind of get up to speed with that sort of stuff. That being said, Dragon Age has been in development for ages. We've known about this for ages. This is. This is the the Bioware circle of suffering. All right. We always (laughs) know about their projects for so long. (laughs) And uh it it didn't used to be that way it used to be here's mass effect here's dragon age here's mass yeah. effect here's dragon age and well, so now what happens when you reboot it like three times mm-hmm. each so, time with a different vision and even this dragon age seems like it's going to be not maybe a reboot but like a reset of the universe because they're tying off a lot of the really big world spanning arcs that have been set up over the course of the dragon age series uh, obviously with Solus, but also with other aspects like the mages and the Templars and things like that. So uh, it's, I I am concerned. I'm not only concerned about it slipping to 2023, which I think is absolutely uh, very, very likely to happen to the point that I would be surprised if any 2022 talk comes up about it because we haven't even seen actual gameplay of it. Uh, it's also just, I'm still sitting here like I I'm worried about this game. I'm maybe even more optimistic about Mass Effect because at least that's something that they're going to get to start a little bit more fresh on. I think Mass Effect is totally coming out before DA4. Oh, I don't know about that one. I don't think that they have (laughs) any idea what they want to do with DA4, whereas Mass Effect, I think, has more of a clear vision. That's that's fair, but I think at some point... They just went through another director. Yes, but I think at some point... It was mutual. They got At some canned. point, they're going to have to get that game out. I don't think they're going to let it languish. You know, at some point, they say getting it out the door is better than letting this project die in darkness. So that would be kind of sad because Dragon, Dragon, Dragon Age dies in darkness. Dragon Age, I look. Dragon Age dies in darkness. Oh, the Thaden post. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's not to sound like I'm unoptimistic about Bioware moving forward, but it is just going to be more suffering for us Bioware fans and yes. until we get there. So, this, Eric, the studio that you knew is dead. I know. Ouch. I know. All of it is a shell. It is all the people who defined Bioware in its golden age and its silver age long gone. And there are some other studios that are popping up from it that look like they have some very interesting things coming. We got Archetype yeah. here in, in Austin that looks like they're working on something interesting that might be of interest. There are plenty of studios that are going to be working on some stuff with developers from that series. So, And I wish the best to new Bioware. I wish the best to like what has risen Coke. from that because... God, God knows they had to go through Anthem. All right. They deserve some uh, some level. I forgot about <laughs> Anthem. Yeah. What a disaster. Like that. That was a studio killing disaster. Right I there. was really hoping that they would would have a, a Realm Reborn that one and give it another try. Yeah. But well, they tried, I, but they were like, it's not it's right, too, right. It's too broken. I also don't think Anthem like Anthem was the thing to do it with. If it was at all remotely tied to dragon age or mass effect in the way that final fantasy 14 was tied to final fantasy right there is that element of they could do that and they could pull in lots of those larger you know appeals from the main series to build that world up and make it feel new and revitalized but when you're working with something that is fresh and brand new and you're trying to resell it to somebody yeah that's a lot more difficult that's true well, let's go over to the mailbag. We over in the Discord asked our listeners, hey, what are the RPGs that you are looking forward to the most? And here is what you had to say. First, we have Sir Jersey, and this is a very popular answer. Trails from Zero mm. and Rune Factory 5. A yeah. political intrigue, excellent world building, enjoyable combat, and character development can't go wrong with that. So a new Big new trail series game that we've been waiting for for a bit coming to Nintendo Switch. It's going to be a big, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Not I'm going to totally make you play it. <laughs> oh, I mean, no problems. You're going to review it, it for us. I'll manage. I mean, Trails is obviously, I know Trails is popular around these parts and all that, but shout outs to Rune Factory 5. I do uh, love Rune Factory. I played four, I think it was. I oh, played yeah. the one on the Switch, and it was like, yeah. this is actually a really cute game. This is fun. Yeah. Four was a huge entry in that series. It's what got me into that series, and it is. I think, again, primed to ride the wave of Stardew Valley popularity yeah. while also offering a game that is different enough from Stardew Valley that it doesn't feel like it's going to get eaten up by Haunted Chocolatier or whatever that one's called. Well, Haunted Chocolatier is not coming out for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they're, It'll hit they're, early access in like 2023. Any farming game has to at least be interesting enough now to be more interesting than wherever Stardew Valley is at. And that's a surprisingly high bar to clear. It's <laughs> so, quite, it's quite high. Uh, but I think Rune Factory, especially the way it's it's very anime, it's very combat focused. It's the the things it does. I think offers a different enough perspective that it won't be like Story of Seasons or Harvest Moon, where it's trying to compete for airspace. Uh, and Rune Factory Five, I've heard some things about the performance, but otherwise the gameplay, the the story, the dating which is they have finally made the same same sex relationships in that game, which is awesome. All yeah. of it seems poised to just be a very good entry for that series. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Supermoop says I'm cautiously hyped for Pokemon Legends Arceus. In theory, it's everything I've wanted from a bold new Pokemon game with an exploration of the world's past 
and more interesting things for your characters to do as you run around. However, it's on the Switch, and while I've loved my Switch, SMT5 has made me re-examine the hardware's limitations. It depends on the developer. Mm-hmm. It really we were does. Talking about, we were talking about with Monster Hunter Rise that Capcom doesn't get enough credit for its technical prowess. Uh, the compare and contrast with like Monster Hunter Rise versus some of the other games that have come on that thing, it's incredible. Like You can't do things with the Switch's hardware. It's just, it takes a lot of technical know-how and some really versatile engines. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And I think one thing, though, to Nintendo's detriment is that more people are getting into PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, yeah. whatever, and they're seeing that comparison. Hey, my PS5 doesn't have load times. Hey, my PS5 doesn't do this. And yeah. of course, the Switch, you really have to temper your expectations, which I do. And But it's been a long time since, what was it, 2017? Mm-hmm. It really is showing its age, but that's not too bad because here I am playing Loop Hero on the Switch. I'm completely addicted. So let's be uh, real: the Switch is closer to the Xbox 360 and the PS3 than it is oh God, to yeah. the PS5. Oh yeah, mm. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it is like three generations behind at this point. It kind of is, but I don't know. I still feel if you want to talk about predictions that are kind of related, I still feel like we're getting a Switch Pro sometime this year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. And I think we would have had one if not for the shortage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the pandemic and the chip shortage and everything. This should have been the upgraded mid-generation Switch Pro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel like such a sucker for buying a Switch OLED in uh, about six months or so. Oh, I'm not going to regret it, though. I love my OLED yeah. so much. I, I love the OLED that I have. Oh, it's, me too. It's perfect. It's great. But... It's a great update. Oh, the bigger screen. Mm-hmm. It's such a difference from the uh, the launch Switch. But yeah. in terms of performance, oh, my God. When I'm playing like Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl... Oh my God, that game looks like it was made in five minutes on Unity. It really does. <laughs> I I will say that I think there is a a difference between games looking rough in preview screenshots, and yeah. especially when you know you go on social media and you're always going to find people who are like, "I found this screenshot where tree looks bad in distance. Look at how bad this game is going to be." And it, y'all just need to like. I don't know, drink some water, hydrate a little bit, like just treat yourselves a little bit better. At the time of this recording, this is probably already on news, but the creator of the Doki Doki Literature Club, like put up a screenshot of Pokemon uh, RCs and saying how crappy this looks. Yeah. And it's like, don't you do a very, don't you have a very low res game that's extremely popular regardless because it's not about the graphics? P.S. Your hands are really small. Just what a, I I don't know. I'm tired of the whole, not just with, with Pokemon, but in general, people putting up a screenshot and saying, look how crappy this looks. It's so much different in motion. And the fact that people are still getting mad about tree screenshots blows my mind. I, I, I think, think Sword and had, Shield looks great. Yeah. Sword yeah, and Shield people look- criticized a bunch and they came out and it looks good. Like Our direction is really solid for the most yeah. part. And it kept getting better with like Isle of Armor and all mm-hmm. of that. That's what I, I was complaining about, just how great the character models are. Like when you battle in the stadium with the Pokemon trainers and the flourishes they have, they're incredible. Mm. Like they put so much work into those. So. People were mad because, for example, one of the gym leaders is a singer and they're like, where the song? Where's the song? Why don't they oh, sing? Oh, that one. That was Perse- Percy, I think. What's his yeah. name? Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, that was a little bit strange. I admit to that. But I, I was into the character. I, I was into the designs for the actual gym The leaders. designs were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Pierce is a great character. Yeah. And I think what people are actually saying is that they want Pokemon, but it's Red Dead Redemption 2 or something like that. That's basically what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, a Pokemon trainer getting tuberculosis would be a really strange twist. <gasps> <for that series. laughs> God. That's what I needed. A Pokemon game to break my heart, even though it already did. In, in Sinnoh, the Arthur. Sinnoh. <laughs> <laughs> I have, have a some team, goddamn Arthur. <laughs> 
we're going to go to Tahiti to fight the Elite Four. <laughs> and that's when it's just like, Dutch, I got to put you out of misery. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about no more. Hop, yeah. when you hear it, you run and you don't look back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play RGR2 again so much when it inevitably comes to PS5. Whew, we're off to a strong start this year, I swear to God. <laughs> and finally, Checkerbud says, Baldur's Gate 3. I love D&D style games like this. Uh, Pillars of Eternity, Divinity, Original Sin. I feel like the Baldur's Gate series, specifically 2, stood out even among its contemporaries at the time as a sprawling adventure with great characters, a twisty story, and a very customizable party build. Being able to work with the current D&D framework, 5th edition, which IMO is much more user-friendly, will hopefully streamline a lot of things, but make going back to the originals feel sluggish. Also, it's just fun to be able to play D&D by yourself at your own pace every now and then. For the record, I know early access of this game has been available for almost a year at this point, but I refuse to play anything until it's complete and ready. And you know what, Checkerbud? I agree with you. I'm in mm-hmm. the same boat. That's why I enjoyed Hades as much as I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair approach, and and I agree with a lot of this. Um, I I'm really interested to see how it comes together because there's so much of this game that we haven't seen yet. We're, we've only really seen parts of the first act, and not all of the party. As far as I'm, I think it's supposed to eventually, there will be a party member for each spot on the alignment chart, and I think they've said we've only seen like the neutral and evil characters. So um, I'm interested to see how that turns out, and also just. Uh, in, in general, like there's so much of this game we don't know about yet. And I like the point about playing single player D&D too. Sometimes you want to be able to just play something that feels like a really robust campaign, but you don't have to organize other human beings to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is time now for us to choose our most anticipated RPG of 2022. Eric, start with you. I mean, this this might not surprise y'all, but Triangle Strategy is definitely my number one uh, with the bullet. Uh, I am just intensely excited for it to the point that I was watching a trailer. Yes, I got really excited yesterday because I was sick all day and I, I woke up after a long sick nap. It was like, oh, my God, there's a new Triangle Strategy trailer. And it was literally just like characters and lore number one character name and I was in discord with my friends. I was like, there's a new trailer. And they're like, yeah, it just looks like some, you know, piecemeal trailer. And I was like, I gotta watch it. (laughs) I gotta watch it now. So I'm in that place with that game. Now. Uh, I definitely think it's looking like what I want out of the tactics genre and, and hopefully going to do for it. Like we talked about earlier, what Octopath did for turn-based. I'll also give a shout out here to Monarch, which is, uh, from some former Shin Megami Tensei devs. Uh, it's already out in Japan and it's getting ported over at the very beginning of next year and looks pretty interesting. I think it's got a style. I think it's got a cool approach to combat that looks really neat and it's doing a lot of the Shin Megami Tensei will you be lawful or will you be evil sort of thing uh, and I'm down for that. My bonus prediction, by the way, is that Fire Emblem, a new Fire Emblem is coming out this year. Oh my God. Ah. I mean, yeah banger year if so i if mm, so yeah uh, especially for strategy games oh my god yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's, that's just a topper right there feasting mm-hmm. in 2022 mm-hmm. well my most anticipated game is starfield a game that is basically made for me it's a bethesda style open world game in which i get to fly around a spaceship in space <laughs> yes yes please <laughs> i'm gonna play that game i'm gonna play the hell out of that game and you are not gonna see me again 
for another few months. And, and we that never be saw that. a cat like, again. Where's cat? I'll be like, cat's in space. Cat went out to get space <laughs> cigarettes. She's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I think it's going to be great. I have the utmost faith in uh, Bethesda's, uh, for that particular studio, uh, keeping in mind that Fallout 76 was not developed by them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that they have a clear vision for it. And I'm so excited to see something new from them. And it's just the RPG that I want. It's very much the RPG that I want. So I am going to put a lot of hours to Starfield. And I would not be shocked if it ends up being my game of the year. I am going to give it to Breath of the Wild too. No surprise there. Um, I'm really eager to see what they have going on for it. I'm, I like that there's still so much about it that's mysterious. And mm, yet we know mm, that we can tell mm. that it's quite far along development. Nintendo's still pretty good at hiding secrets, and I appreciate about that uh, them about that. I'm also looking forward, of course, to whatever they do in 14. They are going to implement farming and stuff. You're going to be able to have like your own little plot of land to like have animals on and stuff. So I'm dead. Uh, I, I'm going to have a real problem there. But those are my two, probably my my biggest anticipations. And uh, we'll talk about indies, of course. But there are some indie games I'm looking forward to as well. If the Switch Pro actually comes out next year, and it's like there with Breath of the Wild too. Holy mm-hmm. cow. What a That's, year. Yeah. And for Sony's sake, I hope that they have like some killer like games because between Xbox having Starfield and Switch bringing out the big guns with Breath of the Wild yeah. 2, mm-hmm. ooh, PS5 better step up its game. That's all I can say. Yeah. This is the year that basically Xbox's investments are all just going to come home to roost. Oh, so absolutely. Sony's going to have yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I love Sony. I mean, honestly, like, I this is the year that it, I mean, yes. Halo and Forza were around in Xbox One, but, you know, Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon 5 are just an incredible one-two punch. Like, Xbox owned the fall. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I think they're going to do it again. Like, it's going to be Nintendo at Xbox one more time. Sony, what you up to? You got a a fall (laughs) game for us? They're, Might they're be Spider-Man. poking Square Enix, like, please, please put game out. Please. Yeah, that, they're, they're going to press the Square Enix button because Square poking. Enix gives us anything to do with Remake 2. Square Square, Square Enix, uh, especially the English, the North American or the West side, uh, they're like EA. Like, they can't put out a good game to save their lives. I don't know what the heck is up with hey, them. I liked, I liked Guardians. Guardians okay. was good. Was I hear Guardians was good. I didn't play good. it, but I've heard nothing but good about well, it. It's better so than Avengers, that. that's for sure. Avengers was a disaster, but everyone's a lot of disaster. Square has a few. Balance in all things, as Thanos taught us. <laughs> Holding the knife. A, a wonderful role model, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Thanos mm-hmm. is a great role model. That's uh, 50-50. I just want the little book of uh, wisdom from Thanos, you know. <laughs> the Tao of Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. For our 2022 RPG preview, I kind of want to go back to our 2021 RPG preview and see what we were saying there. Oh, yeah. There's so much coming out this year, like all of the games that got delayed. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, there will be more delays into 2023. And we haven't even talked about the remasters like uh, Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk and that kind of thing. I bet there's going to be a Cyberpunk expansion in the fall, maybe. And yeah, I'm actually kind of excited to play the Witcher 3 remaster. Like... We were going, oh, what's going to pull Cat off Elden Ring? I mean, what if Witcher 3 uh, HD comes out right after that? And I'm like, well, I'm gone to play Blood and Wine now. Bye. You know. Yeah, see, no. that I'm looking forward to as well because uh, I tried Witcher on the Switch, as you all know, and I was like, okay, this isn't really a good Switch game. And I thought, well, maybe I'll start on the PS4. But then I heard about the PS5 version. I said, okay, that's my, that's my ticket right there. Right there. That's yeah. the one to play it on. Me and yeah. Henry Cavill, we're going to finish Blood and Wine together. You can do it. I believe in you both. <laughs> My new best bud, Henry Cowell. 
<laughs> Instant connection. He's just like, who the hell is Kat? He knows who I am now. We've <laughs> discussed one another. We have a connection. Special mm-hmm. bond. <laughs> All right. That is it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Oh, my God. It's 2022. This mm-hmm. is, what, year five or seven of the podcast at this point? It's, uh, it's getting there. I can't there. believe it's been going for that long. I can't believe 2022. What a weird year. What a weird number. It's mm-hmm. one that I almost can't conceptualize, Nadia. I can't conceptualize it at all. Like I said, I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck in 2020. I think it's true. The theory that Cats the movie, like, inspired, like, sparked some sort of apocalypse, and we're all just mm-hmm. drifting in, in space. Oh, that's your theory. It. It's Cats the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. not my theory, but I have heard it. Around. Started the time void. Yeah, yeah. So let's see, so the Large Hadron Collider was the first step. The Cubs winning the World Series was the second. It's like breaking the seals. <laughs> <laughs> and the seventh seal was Sonic the Hedgehog. Was, was you're too James slow. Now you're dead. As a CGI cat. Yep. <laughs> Boy, we're squirrely this morning. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got lots more wonderful podcast content coming to you for the rest of the year. And hey, next week we're going to start our pre-show and our post-show, so our twenty-five dollar patrons can look forward to that. Well, if you enjoy the podcast, and I hope you do, go ahead and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the podcatcher of your choice. And of course, if you're not backing us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you get reams of exclusive content from Charlie and Dropouts to all of our specials to the Pantheon of the Blood God, which goes live on Wednesday with Chrono Cross. It'll be a lot of fun. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford, and Eric is at Moosey, S-E-A. M-O-O-S-I. We'll be back next week, as always, to talk more about the genre we love. And hey, we'll be doing the pre-show and the post-show as well. So all of our $25 patrons can look forward to that. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring and enjoy 2022. For Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. And until next time, happy adventuring. Also, Eric. Got Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Let wow. me try that again. Let me try Great that again. start to the year, cat. <laughs> Let me try that again, okay? <laughs> Nadia, you better edit that shit out. <laughs> She's going to put it at the end. I'll edit it. I won't say how. <laughs>